Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sam's Report. I hope you are having yourselves a wonderful day. And, uh, you know, it's coming up on the end of summer. I hope you enjoyed the eclipse and didn't stare at the sun too much. And if you weren't in the U.S., um, I hope you enjoyed the images of the eclipse because, well, yeah, you kind of had to be in the path of that thing if you really wanted to, I don't know, enjoy it. Uh, I did. I kind of like science stuff. I took my daughter outside and she stared at the sun and kept saying, what's that big black thing in front of the sun? I can't see the sun. But, I, you know, she's four. I tried to explain it. I think she got it, but uh, I don't know. Fortunately, from where I live in the year 2024, we'll actually uh, get a totality eclipse right over my house rather than, I think we were at like 93%, 94%, something like that. Uh, uh, yeah, so there we go. There we go. A uh, couple couple logistic things. Last week, for whatever reason, well, I, I have a, a guess. Um, you only got the blessings of a left ear audio output. I have no idea why that happened. I'm using a different video editor, and I used a different sound output, and I'm guessing that has something to do with it, and so I need to figure out DaVinci Resolve 14 and figure out why it just went to the left ear. I, I don't really know why, um, but we will take a look. apologize for that. Uh, other things that happened, somebody asked why it's called the Sam's Report. They were like, hey, that's a little uh, egregious, just naming a podcast after yourself, and so originally, I know many people probably listening know this, but... Uh, it originally wasn't called the Sam's Report. It was called the Redmond Report until a stack of paper showed up at my house and said, hey, you can't use that. We have copyrighted that name. And no, it wasn't actually Microsoft. It was somebody else. And I just, it wasn't worth fighting. So I just named it after myself because nobody can sue me over that. And last and not least, uh, if you're in Texas, you know, stay safe. There's a massive hurricane about to hit there. Last I looked, it winds were at 110 miles per hour. And I think it's going to be nasty. So uh, yeah, if you're down in that area, Definitely, I don't know, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've never lived through a hurricane, but I can't imagine it's a lot of fun, especially in like the lowland areas. They're, they're talking about massive flooding. It's going to be a big deal. So good luck to all those people. Stay safe. And I hope you have generators if you're staying down there, because I suspect you'll be without power for quite a while. So anyways, moving on to what is going on in the world of Microsoft this week. It's kind of slowly, maybe a little bit start picking up, but not really. Kind of, but not really. Uh, a lot of people went on vacation. Actually, I know a couple of people who are kind of going on vacation the next two weeks. And then I think it's going to be full slam on as they run up into Ignite. But one thing Microsoft did announce this week is Windows Server 1709 is going to be announced at Ignite. Now, if you're on the server branch and you're saying, what the hell is 1709? Microsoft... Uh, is doing the semi-annual channel and the long-term servicing channel with server. And basically what this is, this is the na the the new twice a year release of server. And they're going to release it at Ignite. And it's going to be called Windows Server 1709. As a quick refresher, when they go to long-term servicing channel, they will name it Windows Server 20-something, like 2016. That is a long-term servicing channel. The next Windows Server is likely going to be Windows Server probably 2018, 2019. I'm... Um, thinking maybe 19 at this point, but we will see how it goes. And so that's going to come out. Uh, quick refresh on some of the things. SMB volume mounting and shielded Linux VMs. Additionally, persistent VM, or persistent memory can now be utilized by Hyper-V VMs. Uh, those are just a couple of the things coming. Microsoft's going to talk a lot more about this at Ignite. And there's also two previews that now, remember, you can get into the server preview program. And if you have a couple extra handy Xanax, you can now run Windows Server Preview, uh, Office Preview, and Windows Preview, and just live in bug hell if you really want to do that. But technically, you could do that all free. 
So that stuff is now out. Other things in the enterprise world, um, Gig Jam. If you remember this, this was announced uh, it was about two years ago. I was at the event. It was a worldwide partner conference in Washington, D.C., and I think it was Julia White went on stage, and they talked about this Gig Jam thing. And besides having such an awful name, it was supposed to make uh, structured workflows out of unstructured kind of content. Think like office documents. Think like uh, if you had uh, a presentation in PowerPoint, and then you had some of that content in Excel, and you had some of that content in uh, Word, that it could kind of like link all this stuff together. And it was an interesting idea, and I think they were using... it. I'm trying to paraphrase this as best as possible because I don't even think Microsoft truly knows how to explain this. It was trying to take all that information and put it in one place because it's all related and make it easier to kind of edit and work through all that stuff. I think the idea is really interesting. I think there's actually some merit behind it, but I think it's one of those things that they're just a little too early on it and AI and machine learning and all that stuff hasn't quite got to that level where it can can actively kind of strip out that content and make it editable and easy to use. It's... It's an interesting idea, but Microsoft is sunsetting the product. Uh, they never really found a place to party. It was the was the title that I ran with. I'm sorry for the awful puns and all that good stuff. But it, it's not going to go anywhere. It never left preview. It wasn't, I think, semi-public preview, and you could try it out. But it doesn't sound like they ever found a real use case for it, which is kind of interesting. I mean, you don't want to force products into things, because if you do, then you have to support them and service them for an extremely long time. Uh, because this is an enterprise service product and Microsoft loves those things because they can charge money for it. They can put it into Office 365, increase the value of that service. And the fact that they're saying, eh, yeah, no, this isn't great, really means that, okay, there isn't anything here uh, that's offering significant value. I suspect we'll see bits and pieces of it show up in other places, but as of now, Gig Jam is dead. Other things announced this week, uh, Microsoft and, and Microsoft and Red Hat have entered into a partnership. Actually, that's not quite true. They've they've deepened the partnership that they, they've already had. They're simplifying the deployment of containers. So if you're using Red Hat software, I think it's called OpenShift or something like that, uh, you can now actually, well, not now, and starting in 2018, sometime in 2018, I think they said spring specifically, you will actually be able to run Windows Server or Windows containers on Linux, and vice versa, you're going to be getting better container support on Azure through Red Hat's products. And really what this is, is Microsoft just saying, okay, we're going to bring our stuff everywhere. And once again, re redefines what Microsoft is doing. Uh, Microsoft, again, they are not based on, they, they don't care about, I shouldn't say they don't care about Windows, but they care about the application more than the servicing layer, meaning servicing layer being Windows as an operating system. I've said this many times, Windows is overhead at this point, and so they want to follow the application, follow the user, and if it doesn't need to run on Windows, they don't care. That is no longer the marching orders, that it has to be running on Windows. So that stuff is coming out. Uh, also, kind of on the enterprise small business side, this is kind of a kick in the kick in the you know what here. Uh, Microsoft is removing REFS, which is Resilient File System Creation functionality from Windows 10 Pro. This is this is really annoying. So Microsoft has neutered some features from Windows 10 Pro. It, it had been, I think, a year since they had stripped anything out, and they figured, oh, you know what, it's time to do it again. And so if you're not familiar with this, is in, if you have Windows 10 Pro right now using the disk pool software, you can take two virtual hard disks and create a resilient file system uh, on Windows 10 Pro. When the fall creator comes out, update comes out, they're going to strip that functionality out. Now, you will still be able to read and write to REFS drives, but you will not be able to create a new drive after the fall creator does update, update comes out. This is purely a an artificial limitation. There's no reason Windows 10 Pro can't do this. In fact, it does it today. I did it on my machine 1607. 
Um, it does not work on the machine behind me, which is on, uh, on the Fall Creators update. So if that's really important to you, you're kind of screwed here because what, what you can do is you either have to upgrade to Enterprise, more money, or Windows 10 Pro Workstation now is going to get that functionality. So it's one of those things to help differentiate Windows 10 Pro Workstation. But again, more money. And I, I know that this type of functionality isn't necessarily what somebody is using every single day. But I can tell you that, again, we're on the slippery slope of Microsoft just slowly chipping away at window, what Windows 10 Pro is. And making Enterprise and this Pro Workstation a little bit bigger of a jump. And I everybody knows why they're doing this. They want uh, Microsoft. Microsoft wants people to pay more money for the advanced features, and here we go. It, but the the question becomes: Here we are again. When is it going to stop? When is Microsoft going to stop stripping features out of Pro to where it's not really Pro? Um, yeah. So there you go. If that's important to you, anyways. Uh, speaking of Windows builds, Microsoft dropped a new one this week, and granted, there's really nothing new in it. But what they th this is really frustrating. What they didn't do this time is they didn't list the known issues, and they gave some crap response on the internet, like saying, ah, oh, there's nothing major or whatever. I guarantee you there's known issues uh, with this build. It, so this is either one of two things. This is either the fall creators update, not holding on to my hard hat for that one, or they're just getting lazy. I don't I don't understand why they wouldn't list the known issues. It's really kind of crazy that they wouldn't. They expect, <laughs> hey guys, install some beta software on your daily driver for us, will ya? And we're not gonna tell you if we know if there's any major issues. And the reason why I find this so crazy is that the two weeks prior, they weren't releasing builds because it was so buggy. There was a major issue, a showstopper. It was it would impact 40% of people. And they're like, they did this big write-up about that issue, but they're not going to tell us the minor stuff. Um, and so either there truly isn't any problems, I'm which I don't really buy, uh, or I, I don't know why they wouldn't list the known issues. Maybe it's frustrating because they want us to test the software for free, by the way. Um, and they won't tell us what the known issues are. It's it's a dangerous precedence, and I hope they don't start doing this. Uh, much like, so the other annoying thing they did last week was they also released um, that description of the, the bug that was impacting 40% people, and they only put it in the feedback hub. And like, I'm on my phone. I was quite sit literally sitting in a clubhouse of a golf course, drinking a beer, just kind of catching up. I, I played nine holes after the podcast in the afternoon last week. I might go do the same thing again today. And I couldn't read it on my phone. And so somebody, I cannot remember who it was, uh, created FBL. I, I think it's fun.fbl or fbl.fun, something like that. Uh, you can now access the Insider Hub just through a web browser. Hey, what a novel idea. Get more people in there, make it easier to submit bugs, and you don't have to use the app. I know Microsoft wants people to open that app because they get engagement and blah, 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 blah. But come on, guys. You want bugs. Make it easier for us to submit it. Let us access it through the web. They claim that they're working on this, but somebody whipped it up in a weekend. So it, it can't be that crazy difficult. To, to do all this, not to mention Insider Program has been going on for what, two years now? Maybe no longer than that. Three years? I think three years starting in roughly October-ish, something like that. Uh, so there you go. <sighs> Anyways, uh, shame on you, Microsoft. Please, please do that. Uh, on the more exciting side of the coin, so as I noted last week, Microsoft announced uh, Xbox One Scorpio pre-orders, or Xbox One X pre-orders, and they now have a Scorpio edition. And what it, there's really nothing too crazy about it. It's just a slightly different design. It's their limited edition 
crap that they do with everything. They had the day one release. Oh, no, sorry, for the original Xbox. That's a 1S back there, which I moved, by the way. It used to be underneath, underneath the desk. I was like, hey, you know what? That's kind of a nice thing. I think it looks good sitting over on that desk, personally. Uh, anyway, so the Xbox One X Scorpio is now out. And it basically sold through incredibly quickly. Microsoft actually came out and said, hey, this is the fastest selling Xbox pre-order ever. And they gave us no numbers. We have absolutely no idea what that means. They could have sold 10,000. They could have sold 100,000. I suspect it's somewhere probably in between. I don't quite, I, I don't know. I don't know what the scale of this type of thing is, but it surely shows that, hey, people are actually interested in a higher powerful console and that this was the right move. So, you know, hats off to Microsoft for finally doing that, building an enthusiast console, even though it has a higher price point. Great. And so here's where I'm at with all this stuff. So I did order a Scorpio. I, I might cancel it. I haven't just, I have not decided yet because Microsoft at Gamescom last week made a big deal about PUBG or player unknown battleground. And I've started it. I was, I was really curious. So I started playing it on my PC and this PC is relatively capable. Uh, 980 Ti, 6700 K, 16 gigs of Ram. And the, the biggest downfall, honestly, is actually it's a 4k display, which is it, it maxes out that 980 Ti, but it is doable. I do play it. And so I've been playing Player Unknown on Battleground on my PC, and I've, I've really gotten back into PC gaming. It's a lot better than it was, I don't know, five, six years ago when I kind of left and went over to the Xbox One. And I'm trying to decide, okay, like, it's do I keep that $500 console or do I spend put that 500 bucks into, a, like, a 1080 Ti so I can get better frame rates on gaming here? I don't know. It's a tough decision. Um... I'm not going to cancel my pre-order. I'll make a decision in early November. And the other thing is too is that I really want to play Destiny, and I've already I've already bought it for the Xbox. And the problem is is that it's not well. It is coming to the PC, but it's like a month or two later. It's going to be late. It's likely a port of the console version. It's not going to be as good. We all know ports kind of suck. Um, and so I'm kind of in this point where it's like ah, I like PC gaming, but you know a lot of my friends are playing Xbox, and so I don't quite know what I'm going to do yet. Uh, I suspect, right now, if I had to say which way am I leading, I think I'm going to keep the Xbox One X pre-order. The reason being for that is PC gaming is great. Don't get me wrong. I My, my big concern is that with PUBG, the frame rate is not going to be high enough, right? Uh, 60 frames per second, a first-person shooter is immensely better than 4K 30 frames per second. Is you've got that going on. Um, the other thing, as Eric just commented in the live chat, is that it's very slippery slope of just throwing so much money at your computer that <laughs> you'll just, it, you'll always be upgrading. And that's the thing. I was looking at a 1080 Ti to upgrade and it's like seven seven 750 bucks, which, okay, if I'm going to be playing this all the time, I can sell my 980 Ti for like 150, 200 bucks or something like that was what the going rate was. And so it's about 500 bucks or so, which is the same price as the Xbox One X. But the thing with the Xbox One X is that everybody I play against will have the exact same setup. I don't have to worry about the guy on the other side of the gun um, shooting at me, having a better machine and getting a better frame rate and having that type of an advantage. And so, yeah. And But at the same time, I agree that the PC is always going to be a better gaming machine. Like for hardcore, absolute want the best experience. Even keyboard or mouse is is better than a controller. I, I fully agree. I actually hooked up. Uh, where did I put it? Oh, anyways, I hooked, I had this. Oh, anyways, um, I had, I hooked up my Xbox One S controller, the white controller to the console or to my PC and, and, 
and tried to play PUBG online and it is it is garbage, <laughs> which is one of the reasons I'm scared about it with the X. Like guys, PUB Player Unknown Battleground is what Call of Duty should have evolved into, and it didn't. If you if you like run and gun, it's not perfect for that, but it's a it's a lot of fun, and I think they're gonna do crazy with it. Um, but anyways, I don't know. I'm kind of in this like I I. I totally get why people love PC gaming and I'm falling back into that trap. But at the same time, I also have a kid, I have a mortgage. <laughs> like I, I can't just go spending upgrading all this stuff. And people are saying, well, play it at 1440p. Yeah, but I have a 4k monitor and here's the problem why I can't. I actually downsized it to 1080 because then that you get, you know, it's just four, it's 4x uh, multiple, all that good stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about. Is that, um, so I, and it's not just one monitor. I have another monitor. I have two 4k monitors and a 1080p. Like my machine is maxed out. And the problem is, is that if I'm playing and I need to alt tab over to Skype or something, because it's at a different resolution, Windows 10 freaks out. Like, it, it, you know, it does that like screen twitching stuff where like, it goes black and comes back. And so when I'm playing at 4K, I can just jump around between all the windows. Like I can hide in the bedroom for a second, jump over to Skype and jump back to the game without any issues. So I'm kind of pigeonholed into stuck at playing at 4K. Um, yeah, so uh, we, we will see. You know, this is one of the things I don't have to decide until November. But I, I'm extremely excited about PUBG. If you haven't played it yet, I highly recommend it. It, it is coming to the Xbox One X, like I just said. They said it's going to be at 4K. I worry about... Uh, it's very, not only GPU intensive, but very CPU intensive. So I'm just curious to see how they're going to pull this off on the Xbox One X because up to 90 people or even sometimes higher than that, 90 people will be in a game at the same time. So it's pretty intense. So uh, anyways, it's a hell of a lot of fun. More on that later once I figure it out, but I'm not going to cancel my pre-order yet because I don't know. I have a love affair with Xbox gaming because it's just it's simple. It works. I, I turn this thing on. I can get into a game and it just, as long as Xbox Live isn't down, which is a separate issue, it just kind of works. It's great. It's fun. Anyways, uh, enough ramblings and shamblings about that. Something else that happened earlier this week, it was a black surface book rumors made their way around and it started from a, uh, it started from an Intel video where they announced their eighth generation processor. And in there, is what appears to be, it's not quite fully there yet, uh, what appears to be a black Surface Book. So here's here's kind of the hot take on, on this from my perspective. Is this kind of Microsoft and Intel screwing up and announcing the black Surface Book? I, I don't think so. Here's my reasoning why. Uh, somebody in marketing put together that video, and probably not even marketing, probably the video editing suite uh, made this video. And Intel probably said, you know what, grab a bunch of the latest generation stuff and throw it in there. And, and it's just a real quick thing of like these laptops just kind of like floating around Intel showing off, look, look what all everything our chips are in. And, and the Surface Book has an iconic design. I, that, that hinge is, you know, for better or for worse, it's very distinctive at the end of the day. And so the there's like a blue overcast lighting and it looks kind of like a black surface book. I'm not really convinced that this was an accidental announcement. Um, I think it was just a lighting issue, just some miscommunication. The reason being is Microsoft has done black stuff before and it didn't work out so well. I know this is anodized and I think it was painted before. So that it, I don't know. Like it just seems odd that Intel would have um, imagery like this of a, an unannounced Microsoft product. I'm not saying they don't know about what's coming to the Surface Book. They clearly do, because Microsoft is probably buying a lot of chips right now. But I don't think that Microsoft would be sharing uh, unreleased digital assets with a third party at this time. Now, on the other side of the coin, 
if you look at all the new Surface Pens that are announced, there's red, there's blue, there's black, and there's silver. Um, all of those have matching components except for the black one. So I guess maybe if they are going to going to do this, they would have a matching pen already out. I don't know. I'm not really thinking that this was... I, I think this was just a lighting issue, and we will see. You know what? If I'm wrong, happy to admit it, but I don't actually know if that black is it. But I, I just don't see Microsoft going to Intel and saying, you know what, we're going to launch this thing, uh, what we all assume is in October. So that means that they would have had this stuff for two months. Like, why would Microsoft give Intel... Uh, image assets of a product that has not been announced two months in advance. It it, it doesn't make sense. Like it really, it the pieces of the puzzle just don't really fit together. So there you go. That's kind of, that's kind of the thoughts on that. Uh, Microsoft also rolled out a Windows 10 mobile build this week, 150240, and forgot to tell everybody. Yep. So if that number sounds familiar, they actually pushed it out to the slow ring and it got released and it no I don't think anybody noticed. I don't think Microsoft really cares. Uh they forgot to tell everybody. Oops. And so there you go. Uh also announced at Gamescom, I kinda missed this. Razer announced a a new controller. It basically it's a wired controller, which is very odd, but it has some customizations like you can do the thumbsticks. Uh it's like $159. Yeah, and it has the the razors um, like chroma on there, the the lighting system that they have, and you can change some of the LEDs on it. But it, here's the problem: it's 159 bucks, and it's wired. If you unplug the wire, which it, it does unplug, it's not like it's a wireless controller. It's just a controller, a wire controller that's unplugged. It doesn't work, at least according to everything I've read. I haven't played with one yet. My biggest problem is it's 159 dollars. The Elite controller, which is fantastic which is mine is right here. This thing is 150. And this thing is, granted, I had to glue, you can see, I had to glue this pad back together. Uh, this Elite controller is amazing. If you've never used an Elite controller and you have 150 bucks, go touch one um, and play with one. If you have never touched an Elite controller and don't have $150 to spend on a controller, on a controller don't touch one because you will instantly buy one. It's extremely nice. And so I think Razer's priced, if it was a hundred bucks, I think they'd be doing a lot better. But um, anyways, so that is that. Uh, let's dive into the questions this week. Hit the refresh one last time, grab a drink. All right. Uh, Poncelius, Poncelius asks, what does he ask? He says, does the port quality of the Windows Store make Windows 10 S irrelevant when people can have a web-based apps on Chromebook using the browser they want? Fair question, fair feedback. Um, yeah, I don't know. Irrelevant is probably a strong word because I've gotten into this mentality that, and this is kind of counter, like I'm going to contradict myself here for a little bit, that I, I like apps that are not running like in a browser tab, if that makes sense, because I tend to lose track of them is the problem. And so progressive web apps are great and they are going to become extremely powerful. And I fully believe that they are the path of the future. And for Chromebooks, that's a great thing. For the Windows Store, not so much. But right now, I still like things that are their own app that break out and um, run on their own. And I'm I'm using Newton Mail. I'm ending up probably paying $40 for this stupid Mail app because I really like it. But it's 40 bucks. I don't know. Um, I, I like that. And I, there's other things that are running in Electron, which is essentially just a Chrome web wrapper uh, type thing. 
Does it make Windows 10 S irrelevant? I don't think so. Windows 10 S will run progressive web apps. That's the end of the story, right? It, granted, it may not be with the browser that they want, but they do work at the end of the day. And Edge is getting better. And I think by the time progressive web apps are kind of fully here, that uh, Edge will be fine. You got to remember that Edge is playing catch up. It's much easier to play catch up than it is to kind of innovate and push forward. So Google Chrome is a wonderful browser. I will not argue that. It's what I use every day right now on my desktop. But for Edge to catch up to Chrome, it's much easier than for Chrome to go and do new stuff that is kind of differentiating. Because for one thing, they don't want to upset their base. It's the same problem that iOS has. They don't want to upset their base. Uh, and they kind of need to just keep going along. And so Edge has the freedom to be kind of get a little crazy and push push harder in certain areas. And so I think Edge is going to catch up relatively quick to Chrome. And, and when I mean relatively quick, like it, the next update's actually a pretty big one. Uh, Fall Creators update. I bet within a year... I would say within a year, Edge will be, uh, you know, f pretty much on par with Chrome. I know that's a big statement. We'll have to see what Chrome does, but I would put them pretty close at the rate that they're doing. Because you got to remember, um, that's two updates. So they'll have the Fall Creators update, um, the Spring, another Spring Creators update, whatever the heck they're going to call that, and then another Fall one, roughly. And so uh, I, I think they'll be okay. I, I really do. <sighs> da 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 da. Our next question comes from Will. He says, any thoughts on we might see the next Surface Book? Do you think there'll be a performance-based model? So I don't know if there's going to be a performance-based model. I've heard some mi mixed things from inside Microsoft. My gut uh, and kind of the, the rumors around um, th the campus, if you will, is that October is kind of the timeline. So I, I would, if, you were bet if I was a betting man, I would say October is probably a good time when Microsoft is going to release the Surface Book. What I honestly hope that Microsoft does is that they create every version is the performance base. Microsoft has too many laptops that overlap right now between the... Um, if you spend $1,500, go into the Microsoft Store or website and see how many things you can get. You can get a Surface Pro 4 or Surface Pro. You can get a Surface Laptop and you can get a Surface Book. They all overlap. That's too many in my opinion. What they need to do, and I know I've said this before, is the Surface Book needs to start at like two grand and it be the MacBook Pro competitor, right? Started at 1999 uh, and make it the super high-end, super premium, super hero device, much like this. It's going to sell in lower volume, but it's going to give them a better stable of laptops when you go in to visit the store. If you want a, a permanent keyboard, you get the Surface Laptop. If you want a permanent tablet, you get the Pro. If you want the best freaking uh, laptop Microsoft can make, you buy the book, right? And so uh, there you go. That is uh, what I think. That's what I think. That's what I hope they're going to do. Because if they don't, if they don't, what they're going to end up with is if, like, the reason why I keep going back on this is that some Surface books are sold without the the dual GPU, right? They're essentially just a Surface Pro. I know it's not perfect. Uh, attached to a keyboard that docks and undocks. That's really all that it is. And what they should do is just kill that whole skew and only sell the dual GPU model with extended battery and just make the best laptop they can. I think that's what they should do. And I would look for something like that in October. Now, Peter K asks a wonderful question here. He says, will we get a Microsoft edition of the Samsung Note 8? I don't know. I, I have no insight onto how well the Samsung Galaxy S8 sold the Microsoft edition. The fact that we haven't heard, here's kind of going to be my litmus test, if you want to call it that. Here's how I'm going to look at this. If they do offer one, then it actually sold pretty well. And pretty well being a relative term. I'd say people actually did come in and buy it. If they don't, 
then I'm thinking that, hey, maybe it, it just kind of flopped, and there you go. So, that's that. Yusman uh, asks, On both my desktop and laptop, both on Insider Builds, when Windows, Windows will launch all the applications that were active before I click Shutdown or Restart. When booting back into Windows, all the applications that were open before shutting down will start launching again. I haven't done anything to enable the behavior. Uh, pick up where you left off is turned off, and this still could. So pick up where you left off wouldn't be the thing. Um, it's become a pain when I shut down with high RAM applications, Chrome, etc., Visual Studio, and then start up and Windows relaunches all those applications. I can absolutely see how that can be a problem. Have any of you experienced this? So I'm on 16.07, and I haven't. I, I thought there was a setting for this and I'm going to have to look into and see if I can figure out what it was. If anybody else knows what that setting is, it relaunches the applications. Um, when you turn windows back on, I, there's something in this. The other thing you can check too, is make sure that they're not in your startup folder. Uh, visual studio and Chrome are all legacy applications so they can actually get into that and they might be in your boot folder. I would definitely check in there to make sure that they're, you're not intentionally loading them on start would be another possible issue. Uh, Luke says, my Surface Pro 3 automatically received the creator's update the day after it started rolling out back in April. Yesterday, Microsoft rolled out new firmware and drivers for the Surface Pro 3, which includes support for the new type covers, but only those with the anniversary update or older. Why would Microsoft do this? Uh, because not everybody's going to update. So there are people who are going to stick with the anniversary update. There's going to be people who are on long-term servicing. Well, long-term servicing, I don't think is on anniversary. Uh, current branch for business is definitely an anniversary. And so you got to remember that not everybody's going to update. Uh, myself, I'm actually still in the anniversary update. And so uh, I suspect they will release additional drivers later. Or actually, I haven't looked into it. It might already be bundled into that fall creators update. So... Uh, that actually might be my guess is that those drivers have been patched into um, into into Windows. So uh, this is a good question here. I need to look into this. Actually, RAF would probably be good to know. Uh, any news on the Home Hub front? No, there, there's been nothing. Um, and he says, has it abandoned before launch? That might be a possibility. I don't know. What I don't know is if this is going to be tied into like the Cortana Invoke speakers. Uh, which again, we don't have a launch date for. I actually tried to contact Harman Kardon and did like their little um, chat. Like they have the little like, you know, you can chat with people online and they said, we have no information to share. And I was like, dang it. Because uh, I really want to know when that thing's going to launch. It can't be too long. It really, really can't be too long uh, after Fall Creators Update comes that that thing gets kicked out the door. At least I hope because they've been it, getting close to a year old if they wait much longer. But um, nothing on the home pump front. I don't know if it's related to that Cortana Invoke because they're similar kind of things, but not exactly. It's a good question. I, I've, I should dig into this. This is why I love questions because you guys remember stuff that I don't. Home Hub is a perfect one. It's like, where is it? And uh, that's why I love you guys. Uh, Merc Blue says, Azure Remote app is being retired in seven days. This makes me sad. Oh, sad. Yeah. Microsoft still gets our money as I set up a remote desktop session, a server, blah, blah, blah. Uh, question though, RDS is good for Win32 application, but there isn't much guidance on running Edge, OneDrive, or other modern apps in a remote desktop session. I know there aren't many apps to use in this context, but hopefully there will be. Is there any discussion at Microsoft on how more advanced applications can be dis distributed via the store and used in a remote desktop environment? That's a really specific question that is going to be perfect for Ignite. 
So I I know I will get some FaceTime, not Apple's FaceTime, but FaceTime with Microsoft execs there, as I as we always do, um, typically in one on one sessions. Uh, Terry won't be. A, I don't think Terry. I don't know if Terry will be there, uh, but he's not the right person to ask anyway. But I do know who might be there if. Um, so for those not familiar, Microsoft is retiring the app as he said. I think they're pushing a Citrix application instead. Yeah, it, something something still feels off about this whole scenario. I honestly think Microsoft is working on something completely new and different, and that's why they're retiring that. But I, I don't have a great answer for you because not many people are using the, the modern apps for that type of a solution. So, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I would actually be very curious to see what you can find out. I'm going to try to poke around ignite is in actually exact well i think it's exactly one month i think it's 24th through the 29th or 25th through the 29th something like that uh which by the way i know i've said before i will be there and we're gonna have a meetup i think tuesday night i'm pretty sure it's tuesday night. i don't know where i don't have any of the details yet but i think that was the target date and so definitely let me know if you're going to be there and we will try to see if we can get to the bottom of that uh, Avarota asks, he says, Brad, do you believe the delay of the new Skype for UI UWP version is due to a larger involvement for this app? Mary Jo fully mentioned last week about her thoughts on Microsoft building Skype to include larger phone experiences. Just wondering if the delay for the new UI for the UWP version might be due to adding new features, maybe to include phone connectivity in the future. So, okay, here is the craziest thing that has ever happened um, to me, and I have no explanation for it. And this happened uh, last week, and this involves Skype. So Microsoft sent me the new Skype preview for Windows 7. Um, you can shoehorn it into Windows 10. I'm running it on Windows 10. I've never had this happen before. I got a phone call, an, an actual like normal phone call um, over the air, not Skype. After installing that application, the first time it was installed and I updated to a new app on my phone, uh, my PC speakers were ringing just like my phone was. And this was, a, I think it was my wife calling me. Um, I have not been able to rep reproduce this issue, but I don't know if this is related to what Mary Jo Foley is talking about. I was talking to Paul and it's like, Paul, how the, how the hell do I, and he tried calling me. How do I do this again? But I, I can't explain how the ringing was coming over my PC speakers and my phone at the same time. And it was clearly related because as soon as I answered the phone, the PC speakers stopped. So I don't know if that's what Mary Jo is alluding to, but I do believe that they're doing additional work on that mobile app or modern app and so that is definitely a, a reason for the delay in that because they want people using the modern app. Don't get me wrong. And it's going to be a big update when it comes. And I'm kind of excited to be the wrong word, but curious to see what happens to it. So, uh, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, other question comes from NextGen in the chat room. It says, uh, what are your thoughts about the Xbox One X and Digital Foundry breakdown about the games? What do you think Microsoft can do better with the Xbox? And so here's one of the underlying questions that I have about the Xbox One X, if it is better than the S. So the S is like, what, 249 bucks, relatively cheap, 199 or something like that. It's it's roughly $300 less than the X. Uh, and for me to get a new one, it's going to be 500 bucks. And so I posted somewhere as like, hey, is the X $500 better than, than this machine um, for somebody who's looking to upgrade and not wanting to trade in? And so the question becomes, what I want to see is putting a game like Gears of War side-by-side, side, um, Halo side-by-side. Side. 
are the graphical improvements that much better? Is the frame rate that much better? That's the question that I'm still waiting to see. I'd love to see a side-by-side -side video of this stuff. I suspect Microsoft is not allowing that yet for reasons why they refine this stuff. But that's the big question because you're going to pay 500 bucks, and it's not going to be like you're going to get a new dashboard UI. You're going to get a new control. Well, I guess technically you do get a new controller. But it's not like you get some crazy better experience. And all the games, the two games I'm going to play, PUBG and Destiny, still play on this machine just fine. But they won't be in 4K. And so the big question becomes is how much better is the frame rate and how much, how noticeable is it? And so that is the big unknown because to be honest, at the end of the day, that's the selling point. And he's asking what else could they do? There's not a whole lot. 4K is kind of, uh, it's a great buzzword. It's kind of like a holy grail. People want to do 4K, but I can also tell you 4K is extremely taxing on any system. Any system, it's very tough. And so uh, that, that's what they're pitching with this the machine that's going to be 4K. And if it's not 4K wonderfully, then it's kind of a flop. But I don't think they're going to get there. Digital Foundry was overly complimentary uh, when they did the spec breakdown. And so that is what I'm looking for. And that's probably going to be the deciding factor of whether or not I keep uh, my pre-order is once I see the true benefit, the, the true benefit of the X. Because if it is noticeably better, then I think that answers my question um, about PC gaming and all that. And just I'm just going to go with it and just be done with it. But um, yeah. So that is that, guys. Uh, tip of the week, if you want a Scorpio edition of the Xbox One X, you're going to have a tough time finding one. Right now, your best bet, from what I hear, is to call up a local GameStop and try from there. Uh, I know Amazon sold out in like 25 minutes, I think is what it was. I believe Walmart is out. And this is all online, by the way. You can try calling all these stores. But, yeah. So good luck f trying to find one. Microsoft is going to eventually offer a non-Scorpio edition. They haven't actually said when uh, that's going to go up, but they said, I think they said they're going to talk about that in September. But here we are. Uh, if you want a Scorpio edition, good luck. I wish you the best. Call your local GameStop or other gaming retailer and see if they have any left. That's probably about the best that you can do at this point. So that's all we got for this week, guys. Uh, be back next week, obviously, and have yourselves a wonderful weekend. And, you know, I hope you enjoyed the eclipse this week if you got to see it. See you later.